in standing for the reading of Scripture comes from Genesis chapter 12, verses 6 through 9. Abraham passed through the land of the place of Shechem to the oak of Morah. At At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched a tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. Let's pray. Lord, as we hear from your word this morning, might we be good hearers. Might the scattered word find good soil that it would take deep root Lord, would spring up, and so that as the Word nourishes day and night, day and night, Lord, abundance would grow from it, and we would see great fruit in our lives. Lord, might Pastor Adam, as he declares your Word, have freedom and power to do so. Might the distractions that we know are present of warmth and whatever else it might be, Lord, might Lord, you gain victory over, that, over them that we might hear and receive your word well. Lord, we thank you for God who oversees this time. We thank you for Christ who walks in our midst. We thank you for the spirit which promises to take that word and do a work in our hearts and our lives through it. We ask now your blessing in the proclamation of the word. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Well, I know everyone is eager for a two-hour sermon, and so I will try to indulge. Um, Because it has been a little season of time since we last considered Abram and his faith-filled journey toward the land that God would show him. We're studying the life of Abram in order to expand and understand in the life of the the Christian pilgrim journey that it is requisite that we walk by faith and not by sight. And then looking into the life of Abram, how we are able to understand that concept, see it on display, be nourished thereby and by grace enabled to follow after. As was read for you just a moment ago by Pastor Dan, but weeks ago now, we left off where Abram was beginning to see the breadth of his battle in possessing the land. You noticed in the text of verse 6 that he had passed through the land, and then as it explained by Moses, he seemingly entered the land, as it says he passed through, he seemingly made it to the midway point of the land. And the notation that we are given about the place where Abram arrived at midway point through the land that the Lord would guide and show him is that Abram was surrounded by false worship of the Canaanites. Again, every statement is significant in the text of Holy Scripture. And each must receive its due order and time. That we be nourished 
by every word inspired by the Holy Spirit without error given for our benefit. Notice verse 6. Abram passed through the land. And then we're like, okay, so, so, he's, so he's working through the land that God will show him. And then the further notations uh, to the place, particularly at Shechem. Furthermore, that we might fill out what is Abram thinking as he passes through the land and he arrives at Shechem. Well, to fill it out more, to the oak of Morah. Again, what is it to be said of the oak of Morah? But that it is a place of Canaanite shrines. How do we know that? Moses fills out finally the last piece of verse 6. Again, Shechem, Morah, the oaks. At that time when Abram stood there in Shechem, the Canaanites were in the land. Now again, you think of Abram on his faith-filled journey, resting upon the promises of God that lead him to act in obedience. Go, Abram. And we read through the text, Abram went. And yet, as there is in all of our lives, stumbling stones in the path of obedience, challenges to the maturing of our faith, And so I want to draw your attention that we are not unlike Abram, but very parallel to Abram as fellow saints walking by grace through the faith that God gives to us. I want to draw your attention to the manner God chooses to comfort and to confirm us, his people, as with Abram, so also us in our callings. Verse 7 I note to you, Abram is past, he is in the oaks, and the Canaanites are in the land. Verse 7, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I will give this land. I wish to draw your attention again, yes, to the content of the promise that we'll look at just briefly, but once again to the manner by which not only Abram, but you, me, we as the people of God are comforted and confirmed in our callings and what is the manner but that God speaks. You see, beloved, God, through His Word, stretches forth His hand to help you, to comfort you, to confirm you in your calling just as he did unto Abram. I wish to encourage you that perhaps right now this is your life context or it will be coming up or you just passed through. But if I could encourage you that when the road of life is windy, when it is often set about with confusion, and the confusion is even unto the core of your person unsettling, we must heed the words of the psalmist. Blessed is the one 
who delights in the law of the Lord. And he expresses the delight of the one who finds his delight in the law. But what does it mean to delight in the law? Well, there's evidence of delight. Because on his law does the Blessed One meditate day and night. Abram will be the same. He will be the blessed man of Psalm 1 who heeds the law of the Lord, who meditates upon the word of the Lord day and night, and it will give shape to Abram's obedience. So also to you and to me. Calvin comments, and I left this with you the last time we were together. I wish to refresh you as we move forward to recall what Calvin said and bring it to mind. Again, he reminds each of us. How did God comfort Abram in the shrines of the Oaks of Morah with the Canaanites in the land that he is to possess? He spoke to him. But Calvin reminds us by saying, quote, the bare word is of no consolation to the flesh. See, it's not just some magical formula that you read, no matter how you receive. Take heed how you read, that you may receive. For as Calvin warns, the bare word is of no consolation to the flesh. but to faith. Faith has a different taste. The property of which is to hold all the senses bound by reverence to that word spoken. So much so, says Calvin, that a single promise of God is quite sufficient. Psalm 1, and don't worry, I will sweat more than you. Psalm 1 fills out the blessed man who I exhort and encourage you to be as I would pursue by faith and grace in my own life. And we be those who are blessed. Why? Because we delight in the word of the Lord. So much so that faith lays hold by different taste to so thereby be nourished so that a single promise of God is quite sufficient for our lives. So much so the blessed man of Psalm 1 who meditates upon that word of the Lord finds this promise of comfort within the immediate promise of Psalm 1. He is promised this. You are promised this. I am promised this. The writer says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Beloved, 
Let the promise embolden and empower that the Lord knows your path. He knows the windy road. He knows the unsettling emotions. And he knows the confusion that will abound. He knows the way of the righteous. I was reminded in preparing a few thoughts here, and perhaps you know the poem well. It's been along since the middle of the 19th century. I'm sure someone's read it to you at some point, or perhaps you yourself have read it and meditated upon its truth as it speaks of providence and fatherly care. The title of that poem is Said the Robin to the Sparrow. A simple nursery rhyme of it, yet as it communicates effective and profound truths that the Lord knows the way of his people. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, Friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly Father such as cares for you and me. Let our faith rise, saints. Let God our cares assuage. Let us find comfort in the promises of God. Abram does just this, and therefore we look to him as we see as he is portrayed throughout the course of the New Testament as an example of the man of faith. Indeed, notice Abram's portrait as a man of faith begin to build. Right here in verse 7, after the Lord has said to him, to your offspring, I will give this land. The word spoken in empowering Abram. How do we know it empowered Look at faith's response to the spoken word. So Abram built there an altar to the Lord. You see, here we witness the portrait of Abram as the man of faith in its beginning to build. You'll notice there are, and I point to you, two things contained within this promise where he says, again, to your offspring, I will give this land. There are yet two things that remain contesting this promise that could have made Abram's faith waver. I say that to you because as you lay hold of your future, as you walk step by step, as you are unnerved and unsettled, there are many obstacles that will challenge your faith and make you waver. So too for Abram. I remind you of the two of them just quickly. Number one, he has no physical offspring. Again, with the promise says that the Lord will appear, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring I will give this land. Well, Abram has no physical offspring to inherit. Seems quite simple to us because we're simply reading it from a long distance, but it was a grievous difficulty to Abram's faith. Secondly, what we've already noted, there are enemies everywhere in the land. And I know for you, the Canaanites, you recall, the Canaanites are the offspring of the cursed son of Ham. 
The citizens across the land are the offspring of the serpent. You see, Abram, in the promise of God, to your offspring, of which he doesn't have any, I will give this land, which is consumed by the Canaanites. You see, Abram, in the hearing of the word of the Lord, so also with us, is to exercise faith in the hearing of the promise. That is, Abram must learn through discipline, so also with us, to walk by faith and not by sight. If we think of Abram as a portrait, and we're thinking, but what was Abram's response? How did he do to such obstacles? Did the promise of God lift, empower, nourish, and strengthen him? How do we know? But again, we consider Paul's words in Romans 4 as he speaks, saying this of Abram, no distrust. I don't have offspring to inherit. I'm giving it to your offspring. I don't have offspring. This will be their land. But the Canaanites are in it. Paul commenting, no distrust made Abram waver. But you'll notice he didn't distrust, he didn't fall away, he didn't waver about what? Concerning the promises of God. Paul continues to say, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Abraham being fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. And in the same manner, beloved, we also must be fully convinced when the road is windy, when the difficulties are staggering, when the emotions unsettling, when the providence is mysterious. We in the same manner as Abraham must be fully convinced concerning the promises of God. One author comments this way, quote, saying, Christians are people of the ear, not of the eye. God does not appear to be seen, but he speaks to be heard. God is always present to us in his word. And that word binds up our hearts in faith. The Lord appeared to Abram and spoke. And I wish to encourage you, beloved, thinking of my own life and the raising of our children and the myriads of decisions that are made. I wish to encourage you as fellow pilgrims on the way that in the making of life's decisions, you know that there are many different paths 
to go by. There are numerous metrics with which to weigh and to measure what is good, what is fitting, what is proper for God's call upon your life. But in all of your estimations, let the Christian call to mind the bedrock promises of Christ. If I could offer you but one that has nourished my heart in recent times and will nourish yours as well, Hebrews 13, I will simply read it for you and I wish your faith to rest upon it, to be nourished thereby and to give you confidence. The writer of Hebrews saying to you, the saints of Jesus Christ, Hebrews 13 and verse 5, be content with what you have. But you see, it's not mere materialism. Oh, I look around and I'm content with the house, I'm content with the yard, I'm content with the children, I'm content with the car. Okay, yeah. No, 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 no. That won't last. That won't last. You'll fall out with children at times. Your yard will look terrible at times. Your house will need all kinds of repair. The way to be content, beloved, is with what unfolds in the promise. The writer grounds the promise by saying this way, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. He is with you. That is the contentment. As they say in the proverb, come hell or high water. He then goes on to say, so we the people can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear, for what can man do to me? This is what Abram believed. This is what Abram laid hold of. As the Lord spoke to him, so also saints lay hold of his promises to you. I will work towards my conclusion here momentarily as we see the action of Abram with the same confidence as Abram looks over the land and he sees the Canaanites in it. And you know what Abram's spirit is by faith? The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can these Canaanites do to me? How so? How do you see the evidence of it? Well, notice how Abram's conviction that the Lord is his helper and that God is able to deliver all that he spoke of. Abram's faith takes action. He begins to claim the land apart from fear. 
I highlight for you in verse 7, Abram's faith taking action upon the promise and confidence, indeed, that God is able. How so? Again, I noted for you already, notice there. So, Abram in hearing, I don't have offspring, yet I believe God is able. I will give you this land. I believe that God is able. How do we know Abram's response to the promise? Well, notice, so, given that comment, Abram built there an altar to the Lord. Again, notice it's not presumptuous. It's built on promise. How so? The details that Moses gives us. He built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Abram's faith has been empowered and nourished by the word of the Lord. He is the blessed man. He continues, and you notice just up into verse 8, it continues as he pitched his tent, which indicates he stayed a longer time in Bethel. But he pitched his tent there. And while he was there, he did what? He built an altar to the Lord. For what purposes? To worship him. He called upon the name of the Lord. You see, Abram, being fully convinced that God is able, and that God is his shield and his sword shall be. Believe that God can give the land as divinely promised. Beloved, we must believe and rest upon Christ for all of the promises of God are yes in him. Is he able? Yes, he is. Abram demonstrates the life of the Christian by actively, concretely, immeasurably claiming the land for himself and his descendants. What a man of confidence in the promises of God. I simply note for you then the function of the altar is really twofold. And yet it characterizes the Christian faith. The function of the altar, on the one hand, for Abram, is that it serves as an external expression of Abram's faith and devotion. Again, one writer says, Abram endeavored as much as lay within him to dedicate every part of the land unto God. It's an expression of Abram's faith and devotion. I wish to encourage you, as with Abram, beloved, worship is the right, fitting, and delightful response of the Christian to the promises of God. So we see it in Abram as an external expression of Abram's faith and devotion. Secondly, the function of the altar 
is also not just an expression of Abram's inward devotion, but it is also an external proclamation to the nations. The building of the altars is an external proclamation unto the nations. What do I mean by that? Don't forget that he is building these altars directly in the land of the Canaanites. It is a word of a faith that is inward that those in this land will worship the one true God. Abram is demonstrating the life of faith. A life that rests upon the word of the Lord that God is able to do all that we ask or imagine or think. I conclude with you this thought as you meditate upon this text as you think about the windy road of providence and the difficult charges to your faith that you indeed will engage in, I wish to encourage you twofold. One, God is able. God is able. And number two, May we act in obedient faith, empowered by the belief that God is able. Faith as root inevitably gives rise to the evidence of fruit. Abram believed and in an external expression of his inward faith, he built an altar of devotion. Again, the inward heart of worship must give way to an external profession of our faith in the promises of God. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for this Lord's day, for heat and awe. We thank you for your word that speaks to us a better word, a better voice of promise and power and potential. Oh God, help our unbelief. Nourish the gift that you have once given to us, that of faith. Nourish it and fan it by your spirit into a flame that we may act in full confidence that you, not us, not our faith, but you, where our faith does rest, are able. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Give you